Chair, staff is ready when you are. Great, thank you so much. And good evening. Welcome to the March 16th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Brassel? Present. Commissioner Buenrostro? Is absent. Commissioner Gibson? Present. Commissioner Harris? Is absent. Commissioner Hodel? Present. Commissioner Haupt? Here. Commissioner Lee? Present. Commissioner Rowe? Present. Vice Chair Granville? Present. And Chair Westbrook? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Fantastic. All right. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide a public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click the raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping raise hand option in the more tab. And if you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raised hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We'll now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for opening uh, acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Papuan Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. And remain standing for us, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. <clears throat> I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <laughs> I appreciate the help. Okay. All right. So our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips um, on this item from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Hearing none, I move to approve the consent agenda, Madam Chair. Thank you. Okay, so I have a motion from Commissioner Hopt. Second. Second. 
great. And a, sorry, I am, there we go, a second by Commissioner Brazel. <laughs> I'm so used to seeing everyone on Zoom, so it's gonna take me a second. <laughs> Appreciate your patience. Okay, uh, will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Brassel? Yes. Commissioner Buenrostro is absent. Commissioner Gibson? Yes. Commissioner Harris? Is absent. Commissioner Hodel? Yes. Commissioner Hawks? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Aye. Commissioner Rowe? Yes. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. And Chair Westbrook? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Great. Okay, so we'll now move on to our first agenda item for the day, um, item number three, commission staff report. Uh, is there a staff presentation? Chair, yes there is. Jennifer Donlin Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager and staff to the Active Transportation Commission. I have a brief staff report for you this evening. Uh, the first item is an update on um, the Caltrans planning grants. So we came to you in January and we requested your support to go to council for approval to apply for four grants. We did and we uh, submitted those grant applications uh, last week. So wish us luck, fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, we have uh, high ambitions. Uh, and the second item I have an update on, I can, I'm not sure if I reported on this last month or not. Uh, we, last year we applied to the Biden infrastructure law, the um, Safe Streets for All grant application for Marysville Boulevard, one of the Vision Zero top five corridors. Unfortunately, we were not recommended for that grant. Um, and so we had a debrief with the feds, the, the USDOT on, as to why. We actually got uh, um, highly recommended for funding, funding scoring. Uh, so we're gonna strategize and look to see what our opportunities are for the next round, which is right around the corner. And with that, that is my update. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips on this item from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised uh, for those online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay. Uh, seeing no hands at this time. Um, thank you so much, Jennifer, uh, for the update and good luck on those applications. <laughs> know there are a lot of work to put together, so anxiously awaiting the results. Okay, uh, this item is receive and file, so no vote is required. We will now move on to the next item, which is Jennifer as well, <laughs> and you'll go get set up um, down there. Uh, the next item tonight is item four, uh, introduction to current active transportation efforts, and we'll be getting a presentation from Jennifer in just a minute. Okay, I think I'm good. Good evening, Commissioners. Jennifer Donlin Wyant, Transportation Planning Manager. Happy to be with you again this evening. Um, because we have so many new commissioners, we thought that this would be a good opportunity for us to give you an overview on the work that we are doing around active transportation in the city. Um, so this is um, 
A list of work that's happening on my team in transportation planning, as well as work that's happening in engineering services, which is the folks that do the um, more detailed design, environmental clearance, and managed construction. So I'm gonna jump into the work that we're doing, and it's, it's a lot. I'm excited to share this info with you. So transportation planning, which is my team, we look at a number of programs and manage a number of efforts. That includes long-range transportation planning, so thinking to the future of mobility in the city of Sacramento. We obviously staff the Active Transportation Commission. We are the key point of contact for active transportation planning, um, although it is a very large team across many groups at the city. We manage uh, bike parking, um, which is, we have over 7,500 bike parking spaces in the city, and uh, I'm really proud of that, and we continue to invest more. We also contribute to a lot of grant applications. We manage the, um, Leslie manages the Transportation Systems Management Program, uh, which is otherwise known as Transportation Demand Management. Shared Mobility, the Shared Bicycles and Scooters, and our Vision Zero program. Quick overview of our, uh, some of our key efforts. So bike parking. We do a couple of things around bike parking. We have a small program that has funding every year for bike parking. We also collect money from shared rideable trips, so 10 cents per trip um, to create bike parking, because every trip from shared bikes and scooters creates a need for bike parking. Um, and our team goes out and we looks at places in the public right-of-way, so sidewalks and um, on street for installing bike parking. We use a couple of different ways to determine where that bike parking should go, demand, community reports. Um, so if you have an interest in getting bike parking in a public space, um, go to our website and uh, sacramentobikes.org and there's a form you can fill it out and it's free at no cost to businesses or residents and we will find an opportunity to get you some bike parking. We also manage shared micro-mobility. Here you see Jump, uh, we, who is now currently Lime. But we issue, um, we establish the policy framework and we issue the permits to the shared rideable operators. Um, and so it's an exciting process and shared micro-mobility is um, a booming industry in Sacramento. And if you saw today downtown, because of all the basketball stuff, there is a lot of people scooting around the grid. We also do um, grant applications, a lot of grant applications. This here list is an example of the, in the last 12 or so months, the grant programs that we applied to, there are 10. Um, keeps us busy and on our toes. And this is a combination of both the transportation team and the engineering team, but Clean California, Caltrans Planning, um, TERSIP, uh, which is a great grant that we got that's gonna help us with a cycle track on H Street soon. Um, but here's a list of all the grant programs that we go after, both regionally through SACOG, through the state, uh, and then through the federal government. We also manage the Vision Zero program, and so since its inception in 2017, we've done a lot. We adopted the Vision Zero action plan. We led the Vision Zero school safety study, and as part of that, we lowered speed limits uh, where applicable to 15 miles per hour in school zones. Uh, Vision Zero top five corridor study. Um, we did a safety campaign about asking folks to watch for others and slow down. So a lot of work around transportation safety. And then we're gonna highlight some of our active transportation projects. And so this is my homemade map of the city of Sacramento and our active transportation projects. Uh, I am not a mapping person, so apologies, but I think it communicates a couple of things. The things in purple are planning efforts. So you might see down on the bottom left, a big area in the pocket, that's Leslie's um, pocket transportation plan, pocket Greenhaven transportation plan. Or the purple line by Freeport is the Freeport Boulevard uh, transportation study that was just uh, adopted by city council. 
North Gates up north, Airport Road you'll hear about later tonight. So the purple is the work that we are doing. Um, red is our projects that are funded and are in design, are moving forward. And then green are projects that have left our team in planning but still need some design work or environmental clearance, um, such as Stockton Boulevard or Broadway and Oak Park. Uh, so I'll highlight a bunch of those. So in our planning team, we are, you'll be hearing about really soon our active transportation plan. We'll be coming to you June-ish, July-ish, June? May. We'll be coming to you in May uh, to talk about the active transportation plan. We're getting our consultants on board and getting them ramped up. So we'll be coming to you about that. We also lead a lot of active transportation education. So we have our free urban biking and scooting class. And this was the outcome of in 2016 or 2017 when we adopted our biking on sidewalk ordinance. One of the things we wanted to do was make sure that we weren't penalizing somebody who was bicycling on a sidewalk and maybe didn't know the rules or have to pay that hefty fine. So the, our free urban biking and scooting class is a diversion program. So rather than pay the fine, they can take our class and move on. Or anybody can take the class. And in fact, we bring the class to anybody that wants. Well, not on bicycle, but it's a 45-minute-ish um, basic rules of the road and how to enjoy biking type of class. We're also working with uh, SHRA on an active transportation and transit trip planning effort. Airport Road you're going to hear about tonight. You've heard about Balladville Bollards. And so these are some of the big other ones. I think probably what you have not heard about that we'll be bringing forward probably this year is we're updating our street design standards to how wide is our vehicle travel lanes, what are our bike lanes, uh, how wide are they. So we're moving that forward and we'll bring it to you uh, later this year. Leslie and her team are also updating our transportation demand management ordinance, so we'll bring that to you. And I know that you've heard before that we are working on, and I promise you that we are, just maybe a little more slowly than we would like, how we handle active transportation and construction zones uh, and events. So that's the work zone detour policy update. We're making really good progress, and I expect you'll see it in a couple of months. And then, hey, we just finished Freeport Boulevard, Northgate Boulevard, and our transportation priorities plan. And then I'm going to quickly highlight some of our CIP projects, which is, stands for Capital Improvement Program or a project. And these are things that are in preliminary design, environmental clearance, final design, or construction. Those that are in yellow are those that are really have big components of active transportation, but everything, all 15 projects on this list do have active transportation elements to them. First one I'm going to highlight is 34th Street, uh, which is North Oak Park. It includes uh, curb extensions, bike lanes where there were none, some street lights, and it, uh, an RRFB for a new crossing. So that is currently in construction. Uh, there's been a bit of delay in the materials for the RRFB for the crossing. We're hoping to get that done later this year. We also have our Broadway Complete Streets projects, which was born out of a community vision in 2012. We expect construction to start this year, and it's essentially on Broadway from 3rd to 29th Street, um, and includes a, a lane reduction for vehicles and buffer bike lanes and a number of pedestrian crossing improvements. Another project that we have moving forward that's mid-design, and I'm sad that Commissioner Harris is not here because we have talked a lot about this. This is the lane reduction on Del Paso Boulevard in North Sacramento. We're going from a four-lane roadway for vehicles to a three-lane roadway with buffered bike lanes, including some pedestrian crossing improvements near a school. And one of our largest efforts that we're moving forward on right now that is currently under construction is the Del Rio Trail, um, which will connect South Sacramento to the uh, Sacramento River Parkway and to downtown uh, on an off-street facility. 
Coming later this year to a downtown near you is the Downtown Mobility Project. This is a significant and big effort that we're working on. It includes, um, let's see, I'll start from left to right. So you see the yellow on the screen. That is a two-way conversion of Fifth Street from one-way to two-way with bike lanes and going in both directions, direct connection to Golden One, as well as Sacramento Valley train station. Then we have um, separated bikeways on 9th Street, continuing the, the short one that we have now and bringing it all the way down to Q Street. Then continuing the separated bikeway on 10th from Q all the way down to Broadway. Extending the P and Q separated bikeways from 15th, 16th all the way to 21st. And then converting the on-street five-foot bike lanes to separated bikeways on 19th and 21st, essentially from Broadway um, up north to I Street. And then I Street as well will be getting a separated bikeway from 21st to 13th. Uh, I think 13th or 12th. I forget the exact extent. But significant bikeways on the grid, come, construction starting this year, um, and we're really excited for that. We also have the Franklin Boulevard Complete Streets Project. Um, so this is another very large effort that we're working through final design and trying to get all the funding that we need to move this forward. So this includes another lane reduction, separated bikeway, landscaping, trees, and enhanced pedestrian elements, wider sidewalks, and crossings. We kicked off, oh, it feels like this year, but I don't think it was this year. It might have been last year, the Morrison Creek Revitalization Project. For those of you who have been on the commission for a long time, you might remember Naila Pope-Hardin came and spoke before this commission a couple of years ago about this effort. This is really a community-driven process. Um, the city was able, to, while working with community partners, to secure a grant to go through that preliminary design and see what might happen. And this is in southeast Sacramento uh, in a community that would really like to see this um, canal re-envisioned to have a trail and community amenities. Sacramento River Parkway um, was born, I believe, in 1975, the concept and the idea. Is that right, Jim? Okay, great. Um, and you can see here, actually, this says it right up there. So there was the cover of the Sacramento River Parkway plan. Uh, it didn't, it's, we got some progress on it, but not significant progress over the decades that followed. However, um, we are now moving forward on it. I've secured money for design and some funding for uh, construction. And so what we're looking to do is take it from Garsha Bend Park, where it currently ends, move it up all the way around uh, the full curve of the big pocket. Um, and so we're actively working on that now. It's not fully funded, but we are looking for funding to continue that. What is fully funded, though, is the South Sacramento Parkway Trail West, which Commissioner Brazo is very familiar with. So this will connect um, a newer-ish community on the east side of I-5 to the Sacramento River Parkway and the Pocket and a big park on the west side of I-5. Uh, it's a small effort, um, and it, we had some delays because of the construction with I-5, but the, we do expect the construction to happen this year and for this to move forward. And we're also working on the Two Rivers Trail, which is um, in this portion that we're working on right now is next to the River Park neighborhood. It is on the levee. It's a little bit delayed because of the levee work that's happening. And so um, if you might have noticed that in Sacramento, there's a lot of levee activity happening. So the, the flood control agencies are working with the Army Corps of Engineers to reinforce our levees to ensure that they withstand you know, climate change and all the, the things that are happening out there. So we're waiting for the levee folks to finish their work so that we can come in and build that trail. But we are expecting that either this year or next year, depending on their work timeline for us to go in and work on that. And so this is a recap of all the active transportation efforts that are happening currently in the city of Sacramento. There are about 15 
projects that are in the back end of design and environmental clearance under construction, and then eight, eight big efforts that we're working on in planning. With that, that is my presentation. I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And I think it might be helpful to have that last slide up. Um, I know it will be helpful for me at least. Um, but before we get started with commissioner comments, uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have uh, one comment from um, a member of the public in chambers, and I have one online. We're going to start with uh, those in chambers. Um, Dan, if you could come up. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners, and welcome to the new people, some of whom I know. Um, I have a question about the item that is number six on that list, street design standards update. Um, I'm not clear about what's being talked about. Um, there is a street designs document um, dated 2009 in public works. There's also a design specification within the utilities department, and there are also other scattered street design elements scattered all across the city website. It is very confusing. So um, one, I'd like to know which document is being talked about, and secondly, why there are so many different locations for different pieces of street design. Thank you. We'll now go to our speaker online. Um, Vincent, it is uh, your time for comment. Can I, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you very much for your time. Um, first, uh, I'd like to uh, thank the members of uh, the, the, the speakers who are addressing many of these issues and attempting to improve portions of the city for uh, bike riders and pedestrians. I, I'm excited to see some of these projects uh, underway throughout the, the areas of the city. And I'm sure that is that is required a, a lot of work uh, on all your uh, on all your parts, and, and and that is greatly appreciated. Um, one thing that I'm especially excited to see um, in these various projects are the many plans involving lane reductions uh, in areas of the city where uh, that has been uh, deemed appropriate and necessary. Um, unfortunately, it, it in the pocket Greenhaven transportation plan, which uh, was on the list there, but I did not see it discussed. Uh, the lane reductions um, in May of last year that were part of that plan, that were an integral part of that plan, and which received tremendous support throughout the process, um, were removed from the plan due to uh, uh, these alleged uh, significant community opposition. Um, at this time, I'd just like to note that that community opposition consisted of about uh, 25 to 30 relatively uninformed comments from motorists who wanted to keep uh, their lane so they could drive fast along Pocket Road. Uh, second, uh, since I only have a little bit of additional time, uh, I just ask two questions. One, is there any plan uh, or a chance or opportunity to make further revisions to the Pocket Greenhaven plan in order to uh, improve some of the, the changes that are under, in the current draft or is the current draft final? And second, is there any plan of connecting the river, river trail along the area in Little Pocket, uh, which is currently being excluded, bike riders are excluded for about 40 homeowners? Thank you for your time. I believe my time's up. 
Thank you for your comments. Uh, Chair, I have no more speakers. Okay, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Looks like we're gonna start with uh, Commissioner Hott. Thank you, Chair. Jennifer, what's the status of the uh, SACOG grant applications that were submitted a couple of months ago, I think? Commissioner Hopp, yeah, so we, City of Sacramento submitted the SACOG uh, regional funding round um, a month and a half ago. We don't have um, any report back yet. It's probably gonna be a couple months before we hear back, which I, I know that the Sacramento Road Parkway was one of the projects that we submitted. Stuff. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Hi. First of all, thank you very much for the um, presentation. There's obviously a lot of efforts going on. I, uh, it's nice to see the broad spectrum of projects you are taking on. Um, one uh, quick question I have is, I know it wasn't on your slide deck, but uh, the West El Camino project, I just wanted to check in on the status of that. I see the website says completion looking by the end of spring. I just want to see if that is still accurate. Commissioner Gibson, I actually don't have an update for that. That's not part of our group that is working on that. Um, but I can check in with them and report back um, at our next meeting or send you an email for if you have a specific question. Um, I just uh, uh, try and understand what the timeline is like on that. Um, thank you. Um, one other question I have is the selection process to request redesigns for different roads or streets. I'm just curious what the process is to um, go about that, because I think many people can point to this road or that road may need uh, improvements. Absolutely. So how does a project become a project is your question. <laughs> um, I could do a whole presentation on that separate from this one, but the abbreviated version of that is, is that um, there are many different ways that a, a concept or an idea becomes a project. We have... We are a very old city with a very old infrastructure network, and many of our streets were former state highways that were designed for moving vehicles quickly and through, and not for moving people to the destinations along the corridors. So how, how do we, an idea become an effort? So it, we have a couple of guiding principles that were adopted by city council uh, for making transportation investments, and that's through the transportation priorities plan. So I'm gonna see if I can call them off in order from which they were adopted, so wish me luck. The first one is, um, Providing, uh, oh my gosh, God, I'm blanking. So um, access to destinations, and they're not going to be in order. I'm sorry. Access to destinations is a key one. So access to parks, schools, and jobs. Uh, maintaining our system. So where we have, um, which is a lot of the city, uh, older infrastructure that needs investment. Vision Zero. So is it a demonstrated safety issue through data and through our Vision Zero program? And so... That would be our high injury network that was adopted by city council, as well as investment in our top 10 corridors, which includes projects like Marysville, El Camino, Broadway, Stockton, Lower Stockton, Florin, Northgate, again, is also one of those. So that is one of the efforts. Equitable investment. Uh, and we defined equitable investment in two ways. The first one is investing in communities that lack basic transportation infrastructure. Um, there are parts of the city that have a pretty healthy transportation network. They have sidewalks, they have curb gutter, they have bikeways, they have crossings, they have trees. There are big parts of the city, particularly our under-resourced and our communities of color that lack sidewalks, curb gutter streets, uh, sidewalks, all that. And so investing in those communities. The other piece of it was um, recognizing uh, racism and bias. So investing in those communities, the majority black, brown, Latin, uh, brown Asian Pacific Islander, uh, and indigenous. 
And then last but not least is um, air quality and climate. So investing in those projects that support walking, biking, and transit. So those are the guiding principles. So if you have a concept, we look to say, okay, is this an area of investment that meets the priorities that city council has determined for investing in transportation? Do we have a demonstrated issue? Is it a key bikeway that is connecting to an important destination? And then it could be a great project, but then how does it compete citywide? And then how does it compete with the available funding opportunities? We don't fund transportation through our general fund. Transportation is funded through competitive grants. So then what grant is available that best matches up to that concept and it's a high priority? I'm happy to come back at another time and do a, a bigger discussion on uh, from concept to actually construction and the many steps that happen in between. Um, but that's the abbreviated um, version. Well, I look forward to your TED Talk one day, but uh, don't need to add that to the agenda. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, okay, so it's either Commissioner Lee or Banks you're sharing. Okay, um, Commissioner Banks. Going big, it's my first it. time. Mm. <laughs> um, Jennifer, you just did a great job of, of rattling off the priorities for the transportation priorities plan, which was my first question. So my second one is, if you were gonna take all of those preliminary designs, environmental designs and constructions, and lay out a timeline, and then place each of them on that timeline, how many of those are close? How many of them are really far away? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is the big scope of time for this? Because it seems to me with all these things that are happening, that it would be a huge social media and wonderful thing to be able to promote and communicate to the larger public that a lot of this is getting done. So I'm just curious about that. Yeah, Commissioner Banks, that's a great question. Um, so I would say, I'm just gonna quickly tell you the ones that I know that are in work. 34th Street bike lanes, in progress. Bell Avenue, in progress. Broadway Complete Street, starting construction this year. Del Paso Boulevard, in progress. Del Rio Trail, in progress. Downtown Mobility happening this year. Um, Lampasas and Rio Linda, which is an intersection improvement and pedestrian crossing, happening in the next year. South Sacramento Road Parkway, happening this year. And West El Camino, while I don't have a specific timeline, is imminent. So those are the ones I think that are gonna be happening pretty quickly. It's big, yeah. Uh, Vice Chair Granville. Amazing, I'm so impressed with how many projects you uh, and your team are working on. It's really exciting to see, and I think we can all say that it would be really great if they could move faster, but uh, <laughs> no pressure. Um, uh, I had a question about the active transportation and construction zones. You meant, mentioned that, but I was curious about the timeline for uh, when you're gonna think about it, how you're thinking about it, and uh, when that might come to fruition. And then is that a timeline aligned with some of the projects that are about to be under construction uh, that you mentioned during the, the presentation. So. Vice Chair Granville, great question. And I, I have to apologize to, to the commission and members of the public because we have been working on the work zone detour policy update for quite some time. Um, we were working on it, we were making progress, and then we lost some staff, and it took a while to staff back up again. Um, and then get folks acclimated to our processes and how things work. Um, so we actually had a team meeting on it this week. I feel like we're making really good progress. There's an interim step that we didn't expect to do that we need to do in order to bring a draft to the public. Um, so I think we're probably a couple of months off before we're able to do that. 
Um, and what we plan to do is bring the draft to the public, and the public is going to be broad. It's going to be mobility folks. It's going to be the development community. It's going to be the construction community to make sure that folks have a chance to review and to provide input. Particularly for this type of work, there can be um, there can be a, so there will be associated costs to development projects. How they accommodate people walking and biking. And so we want to make sure that we give them advance notice so that when they do their financing, they're aware and they can incorporate that into their funding plan. Um, and so our, our part of our big process is actually starting back in the initial stages of entitlements, which is moving it three stages back from when they start construction. Um, so I don't think it'll be implemented this year. Uh, I think that we will take it to the public this year. I think that we'll vet, we'll hear. Uh, I'd like to get it on the docket, it needs to be approved by city council. Our process to get to city council is also a little bit lengthy. So I hope to get consensus on whatever that process might be and get it into the council hopper this year, but it might be this winter before it goes to city council. And we'll see how that process moves and how much comment we receive. I wanna make sure that we reach consensus um, with all the communities that are engaged on a process that can move forward. Great, thank you. Yeah, we have so much construction with housing and everything coming up and, and right now uh, mm -hmm. that I think that's just uh, so important. So thank you. Uh, Commissioner Basil. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer, for the, bring all the information you brought. I would like to address some of the comments that were made that with the street design, if you could maybe expand on that a little bit. And then the Greenhaven plan, it's, I think it's probably too late to make changes on that, but I don't know. Could you expand on that a little bit? I will ask Leslie to span on Pocket Greenhaven, but I'll cover the street design standards update. Um, and, and, and Dan is correct. We do have a lot of street design standards in a number of places. What we're looking to do is um, section 15 of the design procedures manual hosts a whole chapter called street design standards. That's where we're starting. Uh, we're also looking at inventorying um, specific plans that have been adopted and what are their street designs in there. Plan unit developments, we're looking at those. I can't promise you that we'll be updating those, but particularly for the north areas of the city, where they've received their entitlements for large developments many years ago, do those street design standards meet our current ones or not? At least inventorying that process. But the goal really, this is born out of two objectives, the street design standards update. The first is our Vision Zero Action Plan directs us to update our street design standards so that we better meet transportation safety goals. The other thing it's coming out of is our goal for, for climate uh, and sustainability. And so how can we better support more climate-friendly modes of walking, biking, and transit use through our street design centers? Because we're, you know, we're a city, we don't determine how you travel, but can we create an environment that supports our goals for how we'd like you to travel? Um, so we're looking at section 15, we're looking at um, which includes our street cross-section, for example. How wide is the street and how we divide up that real estate on that street? It is old, 2009, 2008, it's, it's old. It doesn't include a buffered bike lane. It doesn't include a separated bikeway. Um, and so the challenge that we face is that when we have new developments come in and we want to ask them to do that, we can only ask them because it's not a city standard. Um, and so getting things like that into our standards is gonna be really, really important. How do we handle um, uh, bike boxes and, and turn wedges at intersections in our separated bikeways? Those are the types of things that we'll be looking at. We're still vetting. Uh, but there will be a, a component of community engagement through this process. And you, of course, as a commission, will see it. 
will engage the, uh, our communities for their input around it. And if there's something that's related to our objectives of what we're trying to do with this effort, um, we're happy to hear it. And I can speak to the pocket. Um, I've spoken to this group. Well, well, there's new members, but several of you have heard about the pocket many times from me. As you know, we've been working on that plan since 2020. And um, we do have a final plan in the works that I plan to bring to you either in April or May. Um, we unfortunately do not have the scope or budget to make significant changes to that plan. We've done significant engagement over these last three years. So I do think we did our diligence with engagement and um, the final plan um, will only have the opportunity to make minor changes. The Commissioner Leah Banks. You have something you wanna say? I do, but I was not on the list, so go ahead go and it. then I'll. We can take turns, go for it. Yeah. We're on the same We're mic. sharing. Yeah, we each get one minute. Um, um, a question about the construction, um, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, but how to accommodate active tra travel with construction. Um, will that include um, transportation projects? I'm thinking of Caltrans projects that are happening like with the highways being widened. So 50, all of the other ones that will be widened um, in our lifetimes. Um, and if so, how does that get kind of uh, included in the process if it's not like the entitlement process like a land use development? So Commissioner Lee, it would apply to transportation projects, for example, if we're doing work. Um, Caltrans is a different entity and it's their right of way actually. It's not city streets, it's right. their right of way. So we can only ask, we cannot require Caltrans to provide the accommodations that we would like to see. Uh, oftentimes we can reach uh, an agreement um, but ultimately, it's, we don't have the authority to tell Caltrans how to manage their right of way. Under right under their under the freeway is, is Caltrans their right, right of way. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I was just going to add there. There also is a like a three one one kind of portal that Caltrans does have. So if there's issues with existing undercrossings where construction is taking place, would suggest that people report those issues, um, and I can share the link with folks. <laughs> uh, but it exists, and I don't think people know about it, so just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> okay, and then uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, a very simple question about the planning side of this. Um, I'm curious about your scooting, monthly urban biking and scooting class. Do you have any idea around, you know, ballpark of how many people that that class serves in the course of a year, and is it more during warmer months, less during the winter, or is there some variation on that theme or not? Commissioner Banks, I would say that there is variation, that there, it depends. Um, so we don't have a lot, a significant influx of folks that come to our monthly classes, but when we partner up with an organization um, such as AARP, we partnered with them, or a neighborhood association, we partnered with them, um, we get a big turnout. Um, and, and I'd say there's probably more interest in the warmer months, uh, but we don't track that, um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great question. You, you all are taking a lot of the questions I have written down, so that's great. Um, okay, uh, Commissioner Rowe. Hi, oh sorry. Thanks again for your presentation, it was very helpful. Um, could you kind of describe what you mean, of, uh, or sorry, uh, and maybe in like layman's terms, um, what your team is responsible for, for which 
phases of the projects and then once it's kind of out of your team's hands kind of what's you know imp or impact or influence you have on kind of the latter stages of the project uh, it's the commissioner that's the question of the century um, so my team on transportation planning handles um, it, it depends on the type of project so if we're going to talk about um, let's talk about Leslie's Freeport Boulevard plan, just because it's fun, right? So Leslie led the community engagement, the effort to talk about what the community's vision is for the corridor, how might we allocate the street space. We go, we go through that process, we document that process, we reach consensus, then it's gonna be whatever it is. Um, we take it to council and it's approved. From that, after it leaves our team, and this is part of like how a concept becomes construction, presentation that I'll give at a future meeting, it goes over to, um, well, it's done. And then ultimately, how does this project fall within the transportation priorities plan? Is it a high priority project? Let's say it is a high priority project. And then um, we look at our funding opportunities. Where is their funding opportunity? If it aligns, we seek funding. It is in our engineering services group. We transfer that project over to them. We give them detailed background and information about why we went with the buffered bike lane instead of a separated bikeway or why the pedestrian crossings here. That's probably some of the biggest information we share where the crossing goes and doesn't go. Um, and then we participate with our engineering partners in the development of that project so that we, because we have relationships, we ultimately our goal is to build relationships with our communities. So we have those relationships. We, we know them. We can make those introductions. We have background on why things happened the way they did. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're behind the handlebars walking type of folks and also have that perspective as well. So we still participate throughout the process. Um, and we have influence as is any other member as part of the project team moving it forward. But ultimately the, the design standards or the and what we can fund are part of the decision making process. Jennifer, do you mind if I add something? Go for it. I think one of the um, most valuable things that we learned for future uh, uh phases of the project are um, sharing contacts that we build during the planning phase and maintaining those throughout the process so that we can keep communities informed on where we are in the process and where we're going. Um, oftentimes communities get frustrated, rightfully so, how long these things take. So it's important to check back and let them know what we're working on. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. How a concept becomes a construction project, I think is maybe something we'll try to fit on the agenda because it's not, it's not transparent why it takes 10 plus years from an idea to construction and it's the processes and the funding. Um, so we wanna make sure that you understand that and our communities understand that. Great, thanks for explaining it. Yeah, I think that would be wonderful to have that as a future agenda item and maybe even a graphic that you can have on your website or something <laughs> would be useful. Uh, Commissioner Hawk. I, I just would invite the caller uh, who had concerns about the pocket Greenhaven plan to contact me through Facebook Messenger and I can give him more background on that. Great, thanks for, for offering that. Um, hopefully they're still on the line. Okay, I know we have a few more items. I did have a couple questions. I'll keep it brief though. You all have um, asked many of the ones I already planned on doing. So um, the first was um, around the grants that the city applies for. Um, there's quite a few, um, but I know that there's always more um, funding sources going online. So curious if um, this, the city is ever open to maybe the community helping to write a grant and making sure it meets all the goals and parameters that you all have set for yourself, but like the community maybe taking over some ownership of applying for the grant so that staff doesn't have to put 
uh, their time towards it because I know you have a lot of other things you're working on. Sure, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if we considered that before. I think it's definitely an idea and maybe participation within the grant writing process will be applicable. Um, oftentimes they're super technical in, in, in nature um, and difficult for staff who, who live and breathe this <laughs> stuff and um, I, it might be a challenge for the community. And then oftentimes we, we hire consultants to help us because of our capacity challenges that we have and our staffing challenges we have. Or sometimes it's something that we're not experts at. So our climate adaptation planning grant that we just applied for was something that we just weren't 100% sure on the best approach. So we hired a consulting firm that had that expertise to help guide us through that process. Um, so it often depends on the grant. Um, but always welcome to partner with our communities on moving grants forward. They are often rushed um, and last minute and require a couple of week turnaround. So if any there are any volunteers out there, just be yeah. aware of that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> just on that, so I mean, when, when you are working with consultants, on average, about how much is the city spending um, to pay the consultant to assist? Mm -hmm. uh, Chair, I think it depends on the grant and the complexity. It can vary anywhere from a small amount up to maybe $50,000. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know I've been seeing more grants on the federal level that I think are recognizing just how much time it takes for jurisdictions to apply, and so they're trying to refine um, the application process. So just wanted to put it out there and see if... Safe Streets for All was a wonderful application Yes. <laughs> Some Caltrans processes, maybe not so much. Yeah. The Caltrans planning grant process is, is challenging, or the active transportation program. The active transportation program, the state grant, is probably the most difficult, the most time-consuming grant application that we have uh, and requires a lot of resources to do. It's painful. As someone who's reviewed those, I understand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. But yeah, I think I'd maybe just want to encourage commissioners, if you see any funding sources out there that you think might be good uh, for the city to be aware of, if it's not on your radar, um, I think that would be great to bring up because with the passing of uh, IJED, there's quite a lot of federal dollars. So I think that might be our best uh, source there. Um, my next question was on the attendance of the monthly bike classes, but it seems like it kind of varies depending um, on that. And wondering if um, maybe we just want to go about recording those sessions and having them live on the city website so folks can you know receive this information anytime um, instead of having to to go in person. So curious if you all have thought about that. Chair, we thought about that at the inception in 2017 and the technology was not there. Okay. The technology is there now, um, but I think what we look forward to is a big opportunity to connect with our communities through this effort. And so while it might be readily available to folks, I think what we hope to do through it is build relationships, uh, build enthusiasm for active transportation. Um, and, and so we'd miss out on that. Um, I know the city of Davis has an online course that they have. Uh, I think it's managed through their police department or campus police. I can't remember what it was. Um, but I think we would like a, a, a more personal touch with our community and the work that we do. Yeah, completely respect that. Yeah, so I think, I, think, I think that's great that there's more of an interaction with staff that you're looking for. Okay, helpful. Um, the next um, was, on, was around the uh, street design guidance. Super excited to hear that that is, is moving forward. Um, and yeah, when, when a public engagement strategy has been developed, I think it would be great if we could make sure we're just getting that out as much as possible. I know your newsletter about the Battle of the Bullards, pushing that information out 
um, resulted in like 500 responses, I think Jeff said. So yeah, it would be great to see that same energy um, for the street design guidance. So I'm happy about that and the TDM ordinance and the detour policy that are also coming up. So I know those have been um, on our log for some time. Um, and then, yeah, I was gonna uh, touch back on the public comment, but Commissioner Braz already did that, so thanks so much. Um, all right, uh, but again, thank you, Jennifer. Fantastic presentation, and I think it was really useful um, for, for all of us, even though we've been here, you know, watching these meetings and hearing your presentation, seeing it all at once um, was great. Uh, so this item is received in files, so no vote is required. We'll now move on to the next item. And our next item, item five, Airport Road Shared Use Path, uh, is our staff presentation. There is. Um, does it go on the screen automatically? Or do I have to press something? Oh, there it is. Great. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Leslie Mancibo. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a senior transportation planner on Jennifer's team in the Department of Public Works. I'm so happy to be here in person and to meet the new commissioners. I'm here tonight to talk about the airport road shared use path, something that I don't believe you've heard from me before. Um, so we'll just dive right in. This project is located in North Natomas. It is in Council District 3, which wasn't intuitive because of the change of council districts. It's adjacent to Tanzanite Park, if you're familiar with the area. Um, just north of, um, so this is a map of the project area. Um, the yellow dot on the north is just north of the um, old um, airport, airport property. If anyone's seen it, it's this old airport. Um, I think that hangar is very cool. So the, the project starts at the north um, adjacent to that property and the southern end of the um, project is at um, the new traffic signal at East Commerce Way and San Juan. Um, these pictures give a little bit of context that just north of that airport property, there's an existing class one path that abruptly ends at a fence. Um, and I think that picture on the bottom really gives a good view of what's happening there and how that is not an effective class one path. Um, and on the southern end, um, we are um, building a new um, traffic signal at East Commerce Way and San Juan Road. We're excited about that, providing connections across San Juan Road to provide connectivity to the trail that leads to the I-80 overcrossing that's just um, south of this image. So uh, this, there's a lot to cover on this slide. The objective at the heart of this project was to study the steps and funding needed to implement the bikeways along Airport Road as identified at the Bicycle Master Plan. The 2016 Bicycle Master Plan includes a class one path from the airport property uh, to the southern end of Tanzanite Park, connecting to the Jackrabbit Trail, shown here in purple. So that purple dotted line shows what is a class one path in the bike plan. Um, also in the Bicycle Master Plan is a um, on-street um, bike lane on that orange section. So from the north end of Tanzanite Park down to San Juan Road. And then the Bicycle Master Plan also includes a class one path along San Juan Road to make that connection out to um, the, the trail that leads to the overpass, the overcrossing. So um, even though these bicycle facilities are included in the Bicycle Master Plan, more detailed design was needed to identify a path towards implementation. These lines on the map really didn't give us an idea of how complex these plans actually are, or these projects actually are. 
Um, so the initial idea that we had was to close airport road to vehicles to accommodate the class one path on the existing roadway. But um, the class one path shown here in purple specifically. But to do that, there are these three residential properties you see there at the um, top left of Tanzanite Park um, that the driveways face airport road and we cannot cut off access to these homes. Um, and we tried to identify ways to um, accommodate those uh, without closing airport road and we, we could not do so. So we had to then look at ways that we could make this class one path happen. And as we were discussing that, we realized that we should probably investigate a way to make this a class one path that's continuous all the way the length of airport road. So that's sort of how this project was born. Um, but there were many steps to get us to where we are today. We um, started our research by pulling together titles, property titles for all of the parcels adjacent to Airport Road. We really wanted to know what our public right-of-way was that we were looking at. And what we found was that airport property at the north part of the project actually includes a 35-foot stretch, 35-foot uh, 35, 35 wide stretch of public right-of-way through the property. So although they've fenced it off and have um, noticed it as private property, we actually do have um, right-of-way through there. So that was a, an initial win. Um, the, uh, oh, sorry, I lost my notes here. Um, we also found that the right-of-way at 35 feet wide continues all the way down to Tanzanite Avenue. Um, so that's uh, just at the top of Tanzanite Park to orient you. And then south of Tanzanite Avenue, our right-of-way actually opens up to 80 feet wide. Um, so we found out that we have some room to play with. So even though um, here in these images, the top image shows the narrow 35-foot wide right-of-way <clears throat> looking north from Tanzanite, and then we turn around and look south from Tanzanite and see the 80-foot right-of-way, and we did also note that there's landscaping and utilities in that additional 45 feet on the east side of Airport Road. Um, so this is all important because then we got excited that we might have the room to fit a class one path in there. Um, but we had to be sure of the, the, um, that we had enough space um, outside of the utilities. So then we sent our um, survey teams out into the field and they created this cross section that you see um, on the bottom of the page. It's probably hard to read. I apologize, I was trying to fit a lot on this slide. <clears throat> so what we learned though, is that the existing road is about 21 feet wide with shoulders on each side, which is wide enough for a class one path to be on the road. And then south of Tanzanite, we uh, learned that there's an additional 38 to 48 feet of right of way on the outside of the utility poles. Um, so which is also enough space to fit in a class one path. So now that we had a better understanding of the physical space that we were working with, we developed several iterations of this design concept working really closely with North Natomas Jive. They were a key partner in this project and have been advocates for this project for a very long time. Um, we also worked really closely with our parks department because uh, you see how the, um, the bikeway runs uh, directly adjacent to Tanzanite Park and that's a really big, well-used park. So once we did get that design together, we also uh, created a cost estimate and that's really important because, uh, and I'll get to that in a, one of the next slides, is that we, um, the point of this was to create a path to implementation and costing out all of these nuanced um, design elements was a really big part of that. 
Um, I'll also note um, that we we included uh, the a little tiny bit of San Juan uh, adjacent to San Juan in our design to get up to that new trend. Um, I'm sorry, the new traffic signal that was not in the works when the 2016 Bicycle Master Plan was created. So let's jump into the details. So let's start with the, oops, sorry here. Let's get back in my notes. Um, start with the north section. As I mentioned in the north section, we realized that we can um, close that section of airport road to vehicle traffic because there are no driveways um, facing this section of airport road and there are cross streets and um, um, parallel routes that can be used to accommodate vehicle traffic and goods movement and um, circulation for vehicles. So uh, we included the class one path on the existing airport road through this north section. At Tanzanite Road, we're proposing that the class one path transition over to the east side of airport road in that additional 45 feet of right of way that I identified. Something to note is all the development happening in this area. There are exist, there are new, there's new development that you see sort of right here. And that's built today. And then just south of that, there's development, housing development under construction. As part of that development under construction, um, Tanzanite will be um, pushed through out to East Commerce Way. So we had to plan for that as a crossing as well in these plans. So what you see on the left is our plan for the class one path to transition in that intersection. And this was something that we, we had quite a few iterations of. And I think the most significant element to note here is that um, this was not supposed to be a four-way stop. And in this plan we are, or in this concept, we are identifying this as a four-way stop. And we're adding some ramps and sidewalks as well to facilitate the, um, the ease for um, people riding bikes to get on and off the um, class one path. Um, another thing to note here is the, in the center of the northern part of this um, transition, it, we are proposing putting a light there, not a traffic signal, but an actual light to illuminate this crossing and also to illuminate the transition so that people don't run into bollards, you know, um, because that can be an issue, especially out here in Natomas, especially where there's not a lot of other street lighting. Um, so the next segment, in the middle segment, um, the class one path transitions over to the east side of Airport Road. It does cross those three driveways, but as residential driveways, there's not a lot of volume coming in and out of those driveways. Um, <clears throat> we also, uh, in, in this concept, have the class one path running adjacent to the park, and we worked really closely with the parks department to make sure that this didn't conflict with any of their existing playing fields or trees. So you'll see a note in here that actually talks about the path may need to curve a bit to avoid some of those trees in the park. And the parks department said, that's okay, even if it's you know on our property, not yours, this is all city, you know, it's all city. And they're, they're really amenable to look at options for curving the path around trees because we love trees. We don't wanna lose any trees. One of the benefits of the path running along the park here is that it does connect to Jackrabbit Trail, which you see here on the southern part of this section, Oop, right there. 
So that's Shack Harbor Trail, which is a really beloved trail in North Natomas. And so um, we really wanted to facilitate that connection as well and keep the class one path on the east side of Airport Road as far as we could, which brings me to the south segment. We also acknowledge that the path should get over to the west side of Airport Road at some point because um, that is um, a more comfortable crossing than bringing um, people up to San Juan and having them cross on San Juan, um, where, which is much more high volume of vehicles. So we cho chose this crossing location specifically because it maximizes visibility from both approaches. Um, so for people, vehicles approaching from the north and the south, um, this is where we saw the most visibility for that crossing. And we're also proposing a new streetlight here as well to, um, to make that crossing the most visible possible. We um, then only have to cross one driveway. Um, and again, this is a pretty low, um, not frequently used driveway. It's a secondary driveway for this um, company here. Um, and the class one path continues up on the west side of Airport Road um, to San Juan. And then there's a very short segment on San Juan bringing us up to the traffic signal. So the benefits of bringing us up to that traffic signal is that will facilitate crossing San Juan. Um, and for folks who are trying to connect to the trail um, that goes over I-80. We do have another project in the works that is looking at a two-way facility on the south side of San Juan to make that connection. It's not part of this project, but it is, um, it's, it is in the works at the city. So we can get into more details based on your questions, um, but I'll go to next steps first. So today I actually am asking for action. I'm asking you to forward a recommendation to city council to adopt this concept as um, for airport road moving forward. I plan to bring this to city council next month. We will need to amend the, seg the TPP because th this area I think is in three different segments in the TPP. As Jennifer has stated, that's really important as we look towards funding. And so we'll amend the TPP and then once adopted, this will go into the TPP as one project and we can start looking for funding. Um, that's where the cost estimating comes in, is really important, um, because uh, in order to seek funding, we need to know how much it would cost. Um, and then also another benefit of having this adopted is that there's a lot of development in this area, and as that development comes online, we can entitle them to, to help us with this and also to definitely not do anything that's in conflict with this um, concept. And that was another thing that was um, what spurred this, is that we found that historically, the lines on the map and the bicycle plan um, could be interpreted many ways, and um, we didn't always take advantage of those entitlements when we could have. So that's all I planned to talk about, but I imagine you probably have some questions. Thank you so much. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Looks like I have a hand from uh, Commissioner Hodel. Oh, I, I have, I'm not hearing you really well. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm really excited about this project, uh, living in North Natomas. Um, I need the commissioners to realize how important this project is because everything funnels 
We all our, uh, our the amenities we seek are north, are south, which means coming into Sacramento. Um, to get there, there are two ways. You can actually turn coming from Airport Road, turn left and go down Azevedo or Bannon Creek Parkway, or you can turn right and uh, hit the next Fisherman's Lake Parkway and the overpass. It's the only way we can get to Sacramento is that way. But there's another, there's another portion. Uh, when you turn right from Airport Road going uh, west uh, to catch the trail and the pedestrian crossing, on the west side of I-5 is another section of North Dakotas. Um, and the, the, when we go to seek anything in North Dakotas, we have to go to the other side of the freeway. We have three ways of doing that, Del Paso Road, which is extremely dangerous going over the freeway. There are three right-hand turn lanes coming off the freeway. Um, and then we have Arena Boulevard. It used to be safer, but now there are, there's a lot more traffic, also dangerous. We route for the safest routes in our community. We route people all the way to San Juan Road to take Airport Road to get to the greater number of amenities on the east side of I-5. So this is, this project is really important for our use of uh, active transportation. I would uh, ask you to be sure that the trail, when it hits San Juan Road, that there's a, an adequate opportunity to make a left turn because there are two ways to get there, one through Discovery Park that, well, they all go through Discovery Park, but one to go uh, to the east and Azevedo and uh, maybe Bannon Creek Parkway. And I just want to make sure that that crossing there is adequate for people who want to go left also. Anyway, this project is really important for the, the, the efficient movement of, of, of cyclists in North Natomas, so thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Hodel. And something I should have should have pinpointed is this really is about connectivity and creating that connected, comfortable network, and that that will then, you know, reduce emissions and reach help us reach our other goals. Um, Commissioner Lear Banks. Okay, <laughs> Commissioner Banks. Um, you mentioned just briefly a little tidbit about amending the TPP. Can you say more about that? Yes, well, um, <laughs> this process is, we haven't done it before, so <laughs> we're learning, um, but so when we, in a typical like corridor project that I work on, we would, when we take it to council, we would have one of the actions that council makes to amend the bicycle plan to be consistent with this adopted plan. So now an additional step that we realized we may need to take here is to make this one segment in the TPP. So we would not be amending the um, prioritization or the process. We would simply be changing the segmentation based on an adopted plan. So it's just about the segments. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah, while well, I've got the floor. Um, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned something about that roundabout, Leslie, but I was really curious about that. That was farther up a few, yeah, mm -hmm. higher up in that slide. I, did you meant, did you talk about I that? I didn't talk about it, but we did work with Jibe, and we do know that that's problematic because the splitter islands are uh, uh, cutting off the bikeway. So this plan, you can't see it in this high-level detail, but we are proposing, um, a, you know, 
creating a path through that splitter island for people biking and walking. That looks terrifying to me, just. <laughs> and I'm a, one of those fearless mm -hmm. flyers. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Uh, first of all, I just wish to uh, thank you and the team from Jive and everybody else that's advocated for this. Um, Natomas itself just really lacks a lot of interconnectivity for biking infrastructure. Uh, it's the reason why I don't bike actually in Natomas, even though it's where I live, is because my infrastructure is very limited and in general I feel unsafe. Um, also wish to highlight that this project is only a half a mile from the Natomas marketplace, mm -hmm. um, which is the largest or second largest, I've heard two different numbers, uh, for sales tax revenue in the city of Sacramento. So further connectivity is really something we need to ensure that we have a city that supports a safe biking infrastructure. Um, you know, just today, one of the accesses from Natomas to get to downtown is flooded, at least one mm -hmm. of the two, mm -hmm. and that's by design. And I could talk about flood, I'm sure people here have expertise on flood control and why that was decided, but in just as a reminder commission, you know, the connectivity is a bit of an issue. And on an equity side, it's just uh, worth reminding those folks is that um, Natomas is one of the most diverse places in the country um, from just a mixture of all different folks of different backgrounds. The Natomas School District is ranked as the number one most diverse school district in the country by some metrics. Uh, Elk Grove is third. Um, so we have an interesting, diverse region, which is quite lovely. But when we care about um, ensuring that there is uh, equity of, across folks, we always want to make sure that um, Natomas is safe. Um, so, and on, on that comment, I wish to move to uh, accept uh, this as a plan, unless there's any other speakers. I'm not seeing any speakers. Um, yeah, so it sounds like an... I was just going to say, could I, I didn't have too much to say. <laughs> I, I don't live in Natoma, so I really appreciate the perspective of, of both our commissioners who do. Um, excited to see that we're pursuing a, a class one path for this facility. So I think that completely makes sense. Um, I am good with moving this item. I'll second the motion. Perfect. Okay, so I have a motion by Commissioner Gibson and a second by Commissioner Hott. Um, uh, clerk, can you please take the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Brassel? Aye. Commissioner Buenrostro? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Harris is absent. Commissioner Hodel? Aye. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. And Chair Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Okay. We're making good time tonight. Uh, our next presentation is item six, Reconnecting Communities Pilot Program Analysis. Is there a staff presentation? Commissioners, hi. I'm Jennifer Donlewyant, Transportation Planning Manager. I promise you this is an unusual evening where I keep on coming up and down between my seat up there and um, making a presentation. Um, I'm here actually on behalf of Cassandra Cortez, who is a member of our team who is unable to join us tonight. Uh, so I'll be making the presentation on her behalf. I will not be as eloquent on this matter as she is, um, but I will do my best um, to, to cover this and cover this well. Um, so for folks who may not know, the Reconnecting Communities Pilot Program is part of the IJA 
program, and I, for the life of me, I'm blanking on what I just stands for, but it's part of the Biden infrastructure package. So the bipartisan infrastructure law um, has moved forward with a, a number of new federal funding programs. One of the new federal funding programs is the Reconnecting Communities pilot. This pilot um, covers a lot of things, It's about, and I'll, I'll cover it a little bit more in a little bit, but um, reconnecting communities that were harmed by transportation barriers. Uh, with an emphasis and focus, focus on equity. So I'm gonna cover um, an intro on what it is tonight, tell you what research we've done, talk about the application, the grant application and its process, talk about some of the preliminary or potential ideas that we have and next steps. Um, so I'm gonna dive right in. So the first ever, ever federal program to uh, reconnect communities that were harmed by transportation barriers. And by transportation infrastructure, I mean a freeway. Um, it could be a rail line, um, is, but thinking about those things that have come in and have harmed a community. Um, and so we're, we're thinking, we're, right now we're leaning towards uh, freeways, but we'd also love your more input. And we want to restore that community connectivity. And that could be many things. That could be with improving existing crossings. That could be with adding new crossings. Some cities are thinking about taking down freeways. Um, and so we're beginning this process. This is a grant application to do a planning process. This is not, I'm not asking you now which freeways we should be taking down next year. Uh, so just to, to put a little bit of perspective of where we are. This is the second round for this grant program. We just weren't ready. We didn't have capacity at the first round. Um, and so now we're, we're getting together and getting ready for this process to identify where our priorities are in the city of Sacramento for what area of the city we should begin looking at. Um, and we have less time than we thought we had. So um, the NOFO, which is fund federal terms for notice of funding opportunity, uh, basically when the grant opportunity is going to come out, is supposed to be late spring. We thought it'd be the summer. We thought we had a little bit more time to get ready for this. So like it's going to be any day now. Uh, well, technically, I guess we're still in winter, but we feel like it's going to be happening soon. Um, we have a lot to do to get th for that, uh, through this. Grant applications are expected to be due this summer or early fall. And so this winter, as in like a month or two ago, we began some research to say, okay, what, what does this grant program need? What do we have to identify? How do we align and be competitive with this program? Um, we're thinking about doing a community-wide survey um, this spring and then identifying what area of the city is a priority for our communities to look at this conceptual ideas and visionary and planning work. Uh, so this is our timeline. We're really working quickly on this. Uh, this is unfunded. This is staff time making this happen. Um, but it's also really important to us to, to move this forward. So in case you didn't know, because maybe you all are not transportation nerds like we are, um, the Federal Highway Act of 1956 basically provided the money for the building of all our highways and freeways. Um, and it was a lot of money. And it was a lot of essentially free money without a, not a lot of local match or contributions. Um, and a lot of the, the freeways were routed through our black and brown communities. Um, and they created barriers to economic opportunity, mobility through cities, um, increase of air pollution with the high number of vehicles coming through. Um, and it's, it's something that is becoming a bit of a movement across the US to, uh, to acknowledge that um, in some ways to address that. And so if you haven't seen this video before, this is not Sacramento, this is Oakland, um, but it could be very similar in the city of Sacramento. It's how what a freeway did when it came through a community. 
where you had homes and intact communities uh, that were destroyed to make way for a freeway. And then the resulting land uses are different. So you have fewer homes, you have different communities. I'm just gonna move because this is just not looking great right now, so apologies for that. Um, but we, we have the same for the city of Sacramento. All of, we, we existed before freeways, we existed before the car. Sacramento is the oldest city in California. Um, and obviously between Highway 5, 50, 99, Business 80, we've had, there's been an impact to Sacramento communities by freeways, uh, rail, maybe not as much uh, because we actually were developed with rail in the city of Sacramento, um, but also a consideration. So the, the federal grant application has a number of criteria, uh, and they're gonna be evaluated on these four measures, equity, environmental justice, and community engagement, mobility and community connectivity, community-based stewardship, management, and partnerships, and equitable development and shared prosperity. Um, you're seeing that equity is foundational to this program. And in order for us to be competitive on the national level, we wanna make sure that we're very, very competitive. It's hard enough going after regional and state grants, but when you get to the federal level, uh, it is almost cutthroat in its competitiveness. And so we wanna make sure that we are uh, competitive in whatever we decide to apply for. Because as I mentioned, grants take a lot of resources and time, the applications to produce. And so the process that we've started, like literally are just starting, is identifying some preliminary areas that we think might work for the application. Um, we're gonna release a survey to understand our community priorities. Um, we'd like to ask you to, for your input and for community organizations to provide input. Uh, and we held a round table last week, and so this presentation is from the round table, asking, uh, and the, the round table included specific invites to uh, our community partners that represent under-resourced um, organizations. Uh, um, unfortunately, it was like last Thursday, it was like one of the storms of the century that we had, so we didn't have great turnout. So Cassandra is following up with personal phone calls to representatives of all those organizations. Um, we have done a good amount of research, so we looked at, obviously we have to look at the federal opportunity zones because we need to do that in order to be competitive. The, the feds have an environmental justice screen mapping tool and you give priority to those areas that are EJ areas. Uh, we also need to look at uh, federal areas of persistent poverty and historically disadvantaged communities and we don't always agree with the outcomes of that. I know for the um, Del Paso Heights area, for example, when we looked at Marysville, was not a historically disadvantaged community and not an area of persistent poverty, which I think that most of us would disagree with that outcome. Uh, we said so in our application. Um, and so, um, but we have to use the federal tools. Uh, we looked at where redlining is happening or had happened. Uh, we looked at our roadway classifications. Um, City of Sacramento uh, in October produced a race in place in the history of Sacramento. Um, we are also working with the folks that are developing the African American History Experience, African American Experience History Project in the city. We also looked at the Sacramento Renaissance by William Burke, a local author and historian. Um, so doing a lot of background research in the last month or two to, to get a grasp of how, what is our history, what is it best aligned with this grant opportunity. Um, so we have a couple of ideas and concepts I wanna run by everybody. Um, and part of the questions we'll be having to you tonight is, do we miss any areas to consider for prioritization? So the first area that we're thinking about is Oak Park, as it was harmed by Highway 99 and Highway 50. Um, obviously the community of Oak Park existed before that. 
um, the building of these freeways isolated the Oak Park neighborhood from economic opportunity within the core. It isolated it from the more affluent neighborhoods to the west of Curtis Park and Lampark and to like the northeast of East Sacramento. Um, it presented an economic barrier. Um, so where the old Stockton Boulevard, which was like the state highway where you had a lot of vehicular traffic and potential customers were now taken off of Stockton Boulevard and then uh, onto 99. So then you, you're losing that commercial business. Um, and so some of the challenges we thought, well, this might be a good opportunity. What we heard from our round table was, you're right, Oak Park is a great place for consideration. However, it's been getting a lot of investment and resources over the last decade or so. And so um, the question was, should it be a priority? It's one of the questions we're going to be asking later on. The other um, opportunity we thought was um, Del Paso Boulevard. So Del, Del, Del Paso Boulevard, for those of you who don't know, the city of North Sacramento used to be its own city. Um, and Del Paso Boulevard was like the main street. It was the commercial hub uh, for the city of North Sacramento. Um, a couple of things that happened um, in the mid-century, uh, Highway 160 was built and it bypassed um, took drivers and, and potential customers away from the boulevard uh, where they used that used to be the main thoroughfare through. Now they're taking 160 to 80 uh, and losing that opportunity. Um, and at the same time, uh, this area was annexed into the city of Sacramento and didn't see the same level of investment. And both for Oak Park and Del Paso and Del Paso Heights, it's also the same time where the West End was redeveloped. And the West End is the place where Capitol Mall in Old Sacramento is now. And uh, with the redevelopment of the, with the destruction of the West End for the development of um, Capitol Mall, uh, this was a majority black, brown, and Asian community that was displaced at a time where um, co racial covenants were still in place and folks didn't have a lot of opportunity to move to the, all neighborhoods in the city. And Oak Park and uh, the city of North Sacramento were places where they could move to. Um, and so, uh, important history to know as we consider looking at what these opportunities are. So this was another area where folks could move to. We also are looking at Highway 99 in South Sacramento as an opportunity. Now Highway 99 and the city boundaries are interesting. Uh, a lot of Highway 99 is in the county. Um, so for the city of Sacramento and looking at where we might be evaluating, uh, it is the southern portion um, uh, by Valley High and North Laguna. Um, the challenge with this that we see is there's definitely limited opportunity, uh, mobility opportunity and economic opportunity. However, these areas were developed at near about the same time. And so making the case as a compelling reason for this grant as being harmed by the freeway might not be as compelling because they were developed at the same time. But it's something that we've had on the table. It's something that we are, uh, something for us to consider. A lot of folks we anticipate will ask, why not I-5 in Old Sacramento? Um, and I think that basically the reason why is why not I-5 in Old Sacramento is that, again, equity is a big foundation of this grant opportunity. The folks that were harmed by the building of I-5 are no longer there. They were displaced by that because of the west destruction of the West End. The folks that were living there now live in other parts of the city. Um, our effort right now is not giving value to whether or not looking at I-5 is a worthy endeavor. It's just not a worthy endeavor for this grant opportunity at this time. 
So these are the folks that we invited to roundtable number one. We invited 35 organizations. Um, and for those that were unable to participate, we're following up with personal phone calls to talk with them about this process. Um, and their thoughts on whether or not did we miss an area that we should look at as a community that was harmed by a transportation barrier. And of all the potentials, what would be their priorities? And so we're doing that over the next couple of weeks. One of the questions we have for you is, is there an organization that's not on this list that represents an under-resourced community that we was potentially harmed um, by the building of freeways and should we talk with them? And so next steps are the phone calls. Uh, tonight, we're with you, the Active Transportation Commission, and, um, and then obviously we'll do the grant application. Um, so that's Mina Cassandra's info. You have our contact information. So I think tonight for the question that we're hoping to hear from you as the Active Transportation Commission, two things. One, is there a community organization that we missed, and I'll put that back up, that we should reach out to um, and ask them about priorities? And then the second question is, well, the second question is, are there areas in the city that um, are harmed by a transportation barrier? There's a focus of equity that we missed. And then I guess the third question is, do you have thoughts on priorities? So this is a big set of questions. This is not an action item. This is a discussion tonight. Um, and I, I look forward to our, our, your input and your comments. So with that, that is my presentation. Thank you so much. Jennifer. Okay, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Uh, I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Okay, I was thinking we might. I know we had a couple e-comments that came in. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Great. Uh, okay, <laughs> Commissioner Banks. <laughs> I'm writing my questions down. Um, I've got two organizations for you to include. One is the Old North Sac Neighborhood Association, El Benita, she's fantastic. And of course, shameless plug, Hello uh, Saba. Because um, we work in all of these places. So it'd be great to be able to chime in on that side. Here's my question though. This is a huge thing. And when I read about this reconnecting uh, communities and the idea of taking off, taking away freeways, I was like, yes, this is great. <laughs> it's like um, it's like wild rivers and taking dams out. I mean, this is really huge work. And it's amazing work, and it's going to be really hard work. But my question is, a lot of the highways, of course, are connected to Caltrans. So how does that intersect? I mean, we can't just say, let's get rid of 160, because it's not our, I mean, we can love, we'd love to have that maybe happen. But um, how does that work with, you know, these other larger organizations that maintain these highways? That is a fabulous question, Commissioner Banks. Um, so our Caltrans would be a partner. So should we receive this grant, we would reach out to District 3 and ask them to participate in the process. We don't know what the outcome be, may be. The outcome might not be the removal of a highway. The outcome might be more freeway, more freeway crossings. Not more freeways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that we're asking for a grant to do the planning work to figure out what it would be. I'm not sure what the outcome would be. Removing of a freeway is complex. It is incredibly expensive. Um, and so we don't know what will be. But I think the first thing we need to do is identify where our priorities are and then begin that planning process. And I think first and foremost with our communities that are living there and were harmed by the building of it. 
Thank you. I'm just going to ask a quick question off that. So you mentioned if you receive the grant, then you'll start that conversation. Um, is there a possibility of the starting the conversation before you uh, receive the grant and making sure that they're engaged from the very beginning so that there's not any pushback later? Um, I know the state is also doing their own reconnecting communities program, so I think there's definitely um, conversations happening, but I think having them involved early on will, will help the city a little bit more, so that's just my recommendation. Absolutely, Chair. I think once we do our preliminary work with our communities and understand which one it might be, then we'll reach out to District 3 and have a, a good chat with them. In headquarters, if you want. But <laughs> doesn't hurt. Okay. Um, Commissioner Rowe. Thank you for your presentation. Um, uh, so my first question was actually about the state programs. My understanding is that there's also a state program with very similar purposes that's going to be available later this year. Um, are you all considering that funding pot as well or just focusing on the federal pot money? Great question, uh, Commissioner Rowe. So we're following that. My understanding at this point is that, um, and Cassandra is the lead on this and I'm filling in for her so I might not have all the details. Yeah, My true. understanding is that the state level, state grant is acting as a match to the federal program. And that um, if we partner with the state with that match program, go after the federal dollars, we don't receive the federal dollars, we're still obligated to do that portion of the match from the state. So if we're going after a $800,000 planning effort um, and that matches like a $200,000 from the state and we don't get the federal program, we're still obligated to do the $200,000 of planning work, but to be frank, $200,000 isn't a lot. And so does it make sense for us to pursue that because we're on the hook for doing that effort with the insufficient funding? Um, so we're still following it. We're, we follow any and every potential opportunity for funding. We just wanna make sure that it makes the most sense for the work that we're doing. Got it, thank you. Um, I have a couple more questions okay. if that's okay. Um, yeah, so I, I mean the 99 uh, Oak Park areas in my district and you know, I there's definitely so much work that's already been going on kind of regarding especially like air pollution around the neighborhoods. And I know Caltrans has also done like some beautification work for like Clean California to um, bridge the two communities. Um, I think my comments are similar to um, the uh, chair and that I think maybe earlier engagement might be more beneficial with Caltrans just since it seems like uh, there is a way that we can co, you know, adhere, like if 99 is ultimately the corridor that is chosen that there are, there seems to be several efforts to address this specific area. So maybe that also speaks to me. The other areas might should be also focused, but anyway, um, I think just th this isn't really a question. I think it's just a comment that um, it might be more beneficial to work as a group of stakeholders than doing all separate things in different silos. Is all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely, uh, Commissioner Rowe. The city is engaged with Caltrans okay. on its Clean California grants for okay. the Highway 99 crossings. Okay. Where it's not my team that's okay. engaged in that, but our, our broader transportation folks are. So we're aware and we're following that. And we will absolutely, for sure, engage Caltrans once we know what we're doing or what our community priorities are, because mm -hmm. maybe our community is going to tell us not to go after this. They're like, mm -hmm. don't bother. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Buenrostro. Hi. Uh, thanks again for the presentation and, and um, glad that this is something that the city is looking at. Um, I had some feedback on community organizations to reach out to, 
but it looks like from the list that you provided, a lot of those have been reached out to, but uh, if there's any more that come to mind, uh, definitely happy to contribute to that list and, and, and also add additional leaders if they haven't been, um, or community members if they have not been reached out to, but it looks like you're doing, like, like, it looks like the city's doing a good job reaching out to um, a lot of the key, key organizations in the city. Um, I just wanna echo um, what was said about Highway 99 in South Sacramento. That's definitely an area um, where I think there's a lot of need. Uh, I'm just curious about any outreach that might have been made to the county of Sacramento or any, any conversations with them around uh, collaboration on, 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 this on this application. We have not yet reached out to the county on collaboration. I think first we want to understand what our priorities are. Um, and we are a little behind the ball on moving this forward. We did not think this would be happening this quickly. Um, but we always want to work with our partners. And, and the county is definitely a partner, particularly for the um, awkward area of how our city-county boundaries work. And I understand. And it's, it's interesting because that's, it's, it's complicated, right, when, when we deal with different government entities. But those are definitely, those intersection areas are definitely the areas where there's probably even more need. Um, so um, it's, it's, it's complicated when we deal with different entities, but I, I you know, if, whenever there's that opportunity, as complex as it might be, it, it would be encouraged. Um, the other piece that I, I just wanna bring up is, is an echo again, is uh, the impact of um, 50 and 99 on Stockton Boulevard. Um, so that's definitely something that um, I look forward to providing more, more feedback on. Um, and then the last area uh, that I wanna contribute to is um, whether there's an opportunity to look at the impact on access to different schools, uh, enrollment patterns, and um, what that could look like or what, what the impact might have been um, within that. That is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, we'll, we'll look into whether or not we have access to the data before the grant application is due as part of our justification for uh, making a compelling argument. But if not, once we uh, get the planning grant, because I think we'll get it, um, to um, use that data in the analysis of how do we redress the issues that were caused. Thank you. And again, thank you very much for all the work that is being done in, in this application. Uh, Commissioner Lee. Yeah, thank you very much for taking this, uh, taking this project on and then bringing it to us. I think this is a really important one that the city is pursuing. And on that note, just kind of thinking about um, some of the comments about how and when to engage various other institutions like Caltrans District or the county. Very important, of course, to work with partners, but I also would like to encourage the city to pursue its bold visions um, without being truncated by perhaps less bold visions of other institutions. Um, so go forth, I think, pursue a very good grant application. Um, and I personally give that encouragement uh, from, this, from this body, or from myself, I'll say. Um, and then bring those institutions in as as needed to make these projects go forward. Thank you. Uh, thanks so much. Okay, I just had a couple of questions. Um, the first, could are is there any consideration of applying for planning grant to cover multiple highways within the city, or does staff currently have the capacity to 
focus on one planning grant for one corridor. Chair, I think we probably only do one. We've attempted to do multiple group together and it's been incredibly challenging and maybe not as successful as we would have liked. And I think we'd like to focus our limited staff resources on the key priority area um, for investment. The, the Biden infrastructure law is a multi-year operation, so well, funding opportunity. So um, let's say we apply this year and we're funded and then we are able to stagger and maybe we apply for the second tier opportunity in the following year. Uh, moving forward. So we don't know our long-term strategy, um, but it's, uh, I would not recommend to the, my team that we group multiple together. I think that would be more work than we are able to do well. Um, okay, yeah, that, I, think, I think that makes sense. Um, I think if capacity uh, is the issue, it would be fantastic uh, to see the city manager and, and council actually um, maybe find staff uh, elsewhere to assist with this program. I think it's really important. Um, and um, delaying, you know, years off from even going to start the planning process, I think um, is, it's kind of unfortunate, but I understand um, where you all are coming from. So I think that would just be my recommendation. You know, if there's any ability for other staff within the city uh, to help you all in applying um, for multiple locations at once, just because our city is surrounded uh, by highways and, and um, as you shared in your presentation, um, has really impacted a lot of communities in Sacramento. Um, so I think quick action uh, is really needed by all of us. So. I don't, yeah, I don't know how to go about that. I'll, I'll leave that to you, but um, I, I, I do think if there's any way we can be doing uh, more, we should. Um, the next, I really appreciate you talking about the community roundtable. Um, seems like you have a fantastic list of organizations here. Um, one that just came to mind was uh, Sacramento Investment Without Displacement. Um, I don't see them listed, but... Um, uh, they seem, they're a very active uh, group within Sacramento and I know have done um, work around on Stockton Boulevard and other, other localities. So I think they would be a good group, but don't want to recommend them if they're busy with other things. Um, also wondering if, you know, we can put an ask out to the community to actually um, let us know if they're, or let you all know if they're interested. Um, I know you probably did, you know, you already have relationships with these folks and you know created this list but I think maybe putting out a call on the city social media to um, have organizations get in touch with you all uh, could could be useful so just a recommendation uh, maybe there's other organizations uh, that might step forward on their own um, so wanted to do that or suggest that and then the last as far as locations I think you know you all have identified three um, really good <coughs> possible opportunities I, I, you know, personally, when I was reading the staff report, did have a question about why not I-5. Um, <laughs> it seems like it would be a great candidate uh, for, for this type of program. I know that there's um, some complexities uh, with, uh, with that freeway as it is. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, folks were, were moved to North Sacramento and Oak Park. So understand there. I think the staff report did mention that this might be better for an economic development opportunity and was wondering if you could expand um, on that <coughs> and, and what funding sources you all are looking at or looking into. Um, okay, so Chair, we, we see I-5 as a barrier to economic development, particularly to the, uh, the businesses that are in Old Sacramento. I think that it's probably a, more than an economic opportunity. Obviously, getting to the waterfront is a, a significant uh, opportunity. We're 
there have been a number of conversations about I-5 and relocating it, decking it. Um, I don't know if it's an active effort right now at the city. I know it, there, over the years, there have been many conversations about I-5. Um, at this time, I don't think there is any. There are a number of complexities that I recently learned about I-5 and why decking it is challenging and uh, cost prohibitive. Um, you might notice it's right next to the water, the water table, and that area is quite high. I-5 goes down low um, in the area of Capitol Mall. It's actually a floating section or like a boat um, and because of the water table issues. And so putting something on top of what is a floating table or boat is not cheap or easy. Um, and, and so that's what make, I guess there was a study in the early 2000s about the possibility of decking it, creating parks or uh, buildings on top of it, and that was the, the biggest challenge of the, the way that it is built there and um, uh, converting that uh, to put something on top of that. I mean, I know that other cities have done things like that. Um, I just don't think they have the unique challenge that we have uh, with how that section was built uh, and the structural uh, issues that are there. Yeah, really appreciate you expanding upon that. Um, it might be useful if the city were to put some of those previous studies and conversations that took place on the website, because I feel like this conversation comes up often. Um, and so, yeah, if there was uh, previous work done, um, maybe it could be a good opportunity for us to highlight that, you know, that's already been there. Um, so, yeah, really, really appreciate that. And then, um, you know, you were asking, I think, for our recommendation on one of these. Um, I, I don't live in any of these communities, and I think personally I feel a little uncomfortable like saying, oh, the, you know, which one or the other. I think they're all um, really good opportunities um, to invest in. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a proponent of pursuing <laughs> planning for all of them, so that would be <laughs> my recommendation. Um, but, yeah, I think as you continue to have those community conversations, um, whatever, you know, corridor you're having the most interest, I think is where I would, you know, support the city pursuing a planning opportunity. So wherever you feel like you're, you're going to, you know, have the most engagement and, and, and folks, um, you know, providing letters of support on behalf of the city and, and um, really um, interested in doing this work, I would, yeah, that would be my recommendation. Um, but I've said enough. I see a hand from Vice Chair Granville. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to add one to your list, the Sacramento Public Library. I didn't see it there, but I don't know if you talk to them on a regular basis and maybe that's why they're not in here, but um, I think they would be a good one. Uh, I also wanted just to remind commissioners that like if we're really passionate about something that we should talk to our council members um, because I think to support Jennifer and, and a pro like a project like this, if we want to get more staff for her, they need to know about it. And so just want to remind everybody that that's part of our job too, is just to, you know, remind them of what's going on. So anyway, yeah, that's it. Fantastic reminder. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Hi, first I just want to thank you for the conversation around I-5 and acknowledgement of the um, mistake that was done to our community but that's obviously a longer conversation. Um, I know uh, you wanted a little bit of feedback. Um, uh, I would love to just kind of share my personal experience with um, Highway 160. I go to Cal Expo a lot for soccer games. Um, so uh, one thing that I guess, I get, 
one thing that was be encouraging of me of this suggestion is that it's a very small section. It's only roughly two or so miles when I was checking it, and it does disconnect um, Del Paso Boulevard to a bunch of commercial shopping and office parks right there. So as a small thing, um, it's definitely there. Uh, but the other converse side, which I just want to acknowledge, is that if the goal is to push traffic towards Del Paso Boulevard, I know there's been traffic calming efforts on there, and I wouldn't want to necessarily see people who are going from um, the north part of the city central to then route through um, streets as a way to get to um, uh, Cap, uh, Cap, Cap 80, hmm, Capital 80. So um, just a comment on that. So uh, uh, thank you for applying for these uh, grants and looking at this process. I'll, I would, your, your team has the most expertise of which of the three to choose from. So that's my comments on 160. Commissioner Gibson, I think just to note, the last thing we want to do is add 30,000 vehicles onto Del Paso Boulevard. <laughs> I think though what we what would want to consider in working with the communities there is that how can folks know about it? How can it be more easily accessible by walking, biking, transit, and driving? And so that the businesses there can thrive, but also so that um, the communities around 160 that can't have the mobility opportunities that they had had before can then achieve that again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think I think that's really important. And um, I believe with the reconnecting communities, uh, you can also pursue building over crossings and stuff. So you know through the planning effort, if you know the closure of well, I once. Wow, I clearly not on the freeway much. Um, 160 um, occurs uh, if, if that's not possible. I think overcrossings are are also something included with with this program. But um, yeah, I think that's really important to remember. Um, okay, Commissioner Lee. Yeah, thank you. I'm taking a second second go around at this. Me too. Um, <laughs> um, so with, the, with your request for a hearing, uh, sort of a recommendation or a discussion about our thoughts, um, I'm putting on my proud transportation bureaucrat hat right now. Um, and having read the bill language for IJA and the criteria, the, I think the 99 through Oak Park, Curtis Park um, project is a fastball up the middle, to use a sports analogy. It's a really, really strong application um, as with the history of the communities, the very old part of Sacramento, the physical destruction of homes that were taken away, um, the air quality, like they're so, you could go, I could go on and on. Like, and so just how it would perform seems like it would be a very, very strong performer. So thinking about how I would love to see Sacramento get one of these, um, this seems like a very competitive project. So mm -hmm. I, I, I would probably put my vote in that box for this this round um, just keeping keeping that kind of thing in mind I know that this is a very competitive program so I would love to see Sacramento do well in it um, so that's my thought thank you my, my mic mate yeah <laughs> I'll just take it from here um, I, one of the things that I'm thinking about when I'm looking at this list is and uh, Manuel or Commissioner Buenos Sorry, when Rostro, my apologies, um, brought it up and it's about the education and, and thinking about schools. So I want to think that talking to the school district would be really important or school districts that might be a part of this would be really important because all of this work is going to happen and it's going to be serving 
those kids that are then becoming the adults. And so our traffic patterns and our um, infill patterns and our uh, development patterns and where people are living may shift during the course of this. So I would love to see you know, the projections from the school district about how this kind of work would impact current kids that will become our adults and leaders of Sacramento. Thank you. Not seeing any additional commissioner hands, but really, really appreciate the conversation this evening um, and uh, fully support the city pursuing uh, this planning grant opportunity. So um, yeah, I think you mentioned we, we might hear from you all again next month or keeping us updated. Um, yeah, we're still figuring out our action okay. plan. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> okay, TBD. All right, that that's good. As long as I think, sounds like you're already engaging um, quite a few organizations. So I know that's a lot of work. Um, so really appreciate that. But thank you uh, so much for the presentation. And yeah, this uh, item was review and comment. And we've done that. Okay. Uh, the last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments, matters not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have one speaker slip uh, from a member of the public in chambers. I currently have no hands raised online. Uh, we're going to start with in-chambers speakers. Um, uh, Dan, you may begin. Good evening. Dan Allison, live in District 4. Um, I just wanted to mention several things briefly. Um, one is the status of walking and biking report, which I love made nine recommendations, um, and I would like to see the ATC pick one of those to really go in depth on what does it need to make something transformative happen on that recommendation. Does it need code change? Um, does it need funding? Does it need policy? What does it need to really make a difference in one of those? And I would like to see the commission really spend a lot of time in a meeting talking about one of those and coming up with something substantive and detailed so that city council really understands what it is that you want to see happen. Um, second, uh, as, a re as a result of the Freeport plan, um, it appears that the city has some unwritten policies, which um, I would like to see written, if indeed they are policies. One is the... Uh, ADT criteria for whether or not a roadway can be narrowed. Um, can there be speed limit reductions when a complete street is done? Um, will there be direct actions to reduce VMT as opposed to simply trying to increase other modes? Um, I would like to see, it appears that there is policy, but I haven't found it anywhere, so I would like to see it. Um, what I noticed about all of the plans that the city has developed is that the communities are really asking for street trees, 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 trees. And I don't find in the city a strong emphasis on we are going to have street trees everywhere that we can. Um, there should be sidewalk buffers, which the city calls planning strips, on every roadway. Um, there should be trees in those planning strips. The planning strips should be wide enough um, that they can accommodate them. Lastly, Friedman has introduced AB 655 for a Thank you for your comment. Your time camera is complete. Pilot. 
Our ne we have one speaker online, uh, Matt Anderson. I'll allow you to speak now. Good evening, commissioners. Matt Anderson, also District 4, um, general active transportation fan. Um, a couple of uh, seconds and echoes. I uh, really want to agree with the chair that it would be great to put that I-5 study online. I know I've had that conversation several times and I'd really be interested in reading more about that. Um, and also just a, a second to the other commissioner who mentioned uh, to talk to your council members about getting more staff for Jennifer to do all the great things that she does. That would be awesome. Um, and then also trees. Everyone loves trees. Um, and really we should, I mean, the time to focus on them other than, you know, 20 years ago is right now. So I really hope we can increase an emphasis on those. Um, and I think there was an effort in the Department of Utilities, public work somewhere in there um, to do a street tree master plan. So I think they're scheduled to come talk at some point. Hopefully that can be slated for the agenda. Um, but the, the short thing I wanted to bring up uh, maybe for a future consideration is that I think in the next couple of years, we are going to have a historic opportunity uh, in terms of large amounts of funding that's coming from the bipartisan bill um, and potentially from tax or various other locations to redo our streets. Our pavement condition is questionable, um, relatively low compared to other um, cities. And there's going to be, you know, hook or crook money coming in and it might be interesting to discuss ways we can tie active transportation improvements to that money so we don't always have to go out um, you know, begging for grants. We can actually assume there will be money coming for roads and then make it a requirement for that money to also fund active transportation projects. And I, I think staff does a great job with resurfacing the program already, but it might be fun to have a conversation about potential other out-of-the-box ways we could, we could fund things through that street money. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Chair, I have uh, no more speakers. Thank you. Um, and really appreciate uh, speakers that both came in person today and, and called in um, throughout the evening. And apologies to commissioners, I went a little out of order, um, but I think I kind of like it hearing from the public first. <laughs> so I don't know if there's an opportunity to change that in the future. Um, but <laughs> the next item is member comments, ideas, questions, um, and meeting conference report? Um, okay, we're taking that one off. Uh, so uh, the next item is member comments, ideas, and questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? And I see a hand from uh, Commissioner Benrostro. I, I just uh, wanna uh, show my appreciation to the city staff for welcoming us in person today. Um, and I also wanna say that at the, at the same time that I had my first Active Transportation Commission in-person meeting, I'm sad to announce that this will be my last Active Transportation Commission meeting. Uh, my council member, uh, Council Member Guerra, has asked me to apply for the uh, Sacramento Community Police Review Commission. Um, so after this meeting, I'll be uh, stepping down and allowing for somebody else to also apply for this commission. So the great news is that hopefully soon you'll have somebody great uh, taking on this commission, but I, ju I just want to thank all of the city staff, all of the public work staff for the work that you do. Um, I think I think you contribute tenfold to the city uh, what, what this, uh, w with with your commitment. 
Um, and I'll make sure to mention to my council member um, and other council members that I get a chance to speak to because we can speak to any council members if we want to um, about the work that needs to be done in, in public works and, and the great work that the staff is doing um, to make sure that we get as much done as possible with the limited resources that we have because that's definitely something that I see limited resources but staff making magic happen. So, so thank you, uh, Jennifer um, uh, Wyatt, uh, sorry, Jennifer Donovan Wyatt for everything that you do and the rest of the staff. I apologize if I don't know your names. I wish I did so I could thank you personally but um, and thanks for all the commissioners for everything that I have learned from you. Thank you. Well, for myself, I'm, I'm really sad to see you leave, but um, really glad to hear that you're going to continue uh, to to serve um, on another commission for the city. So, um, congrats on that uh, new appointment. Okay. All right, friends at the end. Okay, um, <laughs> Commissioner Banks. Uh, this we meet on the third week of of the month. So next month will be the third week of April, which is way too late. So I'm going to make a plug right now for all of y'all <laughs> to work with your commissioners and to create some events for May is Bike Month because um, from my view, it's next week. Um, but from all of you, it's uh, another six to you know 10 weeks away. So if you haven't thought about May is Bike Month and you want to talk to me about it, we are hosting a lot of events. We want to see everybody on their bikes all of May all over the city and I encourage all of you to work with your commission with your district people and whoever you are serving as you sit here to get some events going and to reach out to me to help make that happen okay thank you and um, in case folks watching this uh, meeting don't know what the we is Deba Dev is is with Saba um, <laughs> so just plug that there and, and uh, Saba's taken on a big lift um, organizing uh, May's bike month activities across the region so kudos to Saba and all the great work that you're doing I'm really excited uh, for this year okay um, Commissioner Hopped so uh, Jennifer long 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 ago before the pandemic um, we were allowed to ride here and put our bicycles in this in the room on the right back here. Um, but I see now that they're asking us to park our bikes outside. Um, is there any chance that we could get the opportunity to park inside again? I, for one, am very reluctant to park my bike outside for any length of time, especially if I can't watch it. <clears throat> Commissioner Hopped, we've been told that Bicycles are not allowed in City Hall. I can elevate your request um, since it was made at commission and see if we can find exceptions for nighttime meetings in chambers. I, I for one, would very much appreciate that. Thank you. And I second that as well. <laughs> Ride my bike if I had a place to park it inside. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll third it. That's <laughs> we got a fourth. Okay, I think I think there's definitely a desire, especially you know with with our uh, meetings usually ending uh, when it's pretty dark outside. It would be nice to know that you know they're safe and secure. So appreciate uh, that question and and look forward to seeing what you hear back. Um, okay, I had a couple questions. I think the first one was. Um, adding an item to the log, so I will follow up with you <laughs> um, in written form that makes sure I'm addressing <laughs> um, 
all the areas we've outlined in our report, um, but I, I know we did receive a public comment on um, current legislation, and I'm thinking that it might be timely for this commission to have an idea of um, active transportation legislation that the city is actively supporting. Um, if that's something you can share with us. I don't totally know how that is, but, or goes. Um, yeah. Chair, um, I'd be happy to do that. I think the challenge may be is that the state legislation is moving quickly um, and our timeline to get to commission is short is lengthy mm -hmm. um, and so what I can and because you're asking for it to get into the log tonight we add it to the log next month yeah. and then you vote on it and it's not actually on the log to the following month that's the process that we have um, so we have March April May it wouldn't be until May until it is officially a log item uh, which w the state legislation might be wrapping up. Um, however, of course, if you want to add it to the log, please do. We'll work through that process. Um, I think that the information that we provide in the staff report when it moved forward might not always be the most up to date because mm -hmm. things move quickly at the state, or at least the status of, um, but we might be able to share a list of things that the city has officially, in some capacity, nodded support for. Um, are you also asking for information on bills related to active transportation that we are actively opposing? That wasn't my original ask, but um, yeah, and I think if getting it on the log is going to be too cumbersome, I think my ask then is that the, that maybe um, if you can include the latest information you have in your staff report um, moving forward. Um, I think I think that would be helpful for it to, to be on folks' radar. I think. Um, you know, bringing um, legislation uh, to this committee will get on the radar of members of the public who then, you know, might not have known that uh, that legislation was out there and then they can, you know, on their own, um, you know, write to their um, senator or assembly member and, and express support. So I just want to make sure that, um, you know, we're helping the public in any way possible just to be more aware of, of active transportation legislation. So I'm, I'm not wedded to the putting it on the log, but I want to make some way of, you know, getting this, this information out here um, to folks and, and get it on their radar. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that to you all. Um, the second thing I wanted to bring up, I really appreciate the comment on um, the status of a walking and biking report um, and hoping that you could um, kind of give an update on, on where we're at with that. Absolutely, Chair. In fact, I just got an update earlier this evening on that. Um, so in the ordinance that created the Active Transportation Commission, one of the things is to provide annual updates to City Council on the status of walking and biking. You, um, Chair, took that to heart and worked with the Commission to develop a report. However, the City is in the process of developing a process for that. Um, so I checked in with the City Clerk this evening. And um, the city clerk will be making a presentation to the PMPE Committee of City Council uh, next week to formulate that process. Once that process has been identified, then the report that you created can then go to, I believe the process will be, to the PMPE Committee of Council. Uh, and I think that's what the city clerk, uh, Mindy Cuppy, pr presented to you last month on that process. And so then it can be added to um, the, the queue. I did request that um, to the city clerk that if we are moving forward and the, the way that the timeline was presented to me, that it was 
May, June-ish. I asked that we can if we could prioritize May because May is bike month and I thought it would be uh, appropriate, uh, a good time to bring it to PNPE. So um, we'll learn more next week about the process and when that goes and I'm happy to provide an update to you as I know more in my next month's staff report. Thank you so much and yeah, really ap appreciate that, um, an update on that effort. Um, and yeah, I guess one thing uh, that I would trying to get a better grasp of is, you know, this is now gonna push back that report going to council several months from when we finished it. Um, and then now with the changes, I think we're also being asked to do a yearly report um, to council. So if we can just make that, um, at least if they can give us an indication early on of like how they want our reports to look and how um, that's gonna go, it'd be helpful because May's gonna be here soon. We're already gonna be halfway, you know, through the year. I'm just, I'm seeing um, this year fly by. So just wanna make sure that they understand what they're asking of us and, and how we're gonna have limited time now to accomplish uh, what they would like to see from our commission. Um, this is Jacob Redberg from the city clerk's office. The agenda for the PNPE committee meeting for Tuesday is online now. In that staff report, um, I'm not sure the item number off the top of my head, uh, there are samples of what these different reports will look like. Um, so that could be a good resource for you all. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for alerting um, us to that. And also just um, for the public, those meetings, um, you are able uh, to join in via Zoom, which I just learned <laughs> the other day. I thought they were kind of like a closed meeting this whole time. So um, they are not. Um, and they also uh, take public comment in person, I believe, in, and on Zoom. So. Um, thank you for highlighting that this item will be um, on the agenda next week. Um, great, and then the last thing, um, just wanted to discuss, um, I recently learned of several other commissions who have created um, an award program for members in the community doing great work, um, specifically um, the, oh my gosh, the community, or, Parks. Youth Parks, there community we go. Enrichment. Yes, Youth Parks and Community Enrichment. Um, they give out an award each year to, to a member of the community and I would love for our commission uh, to consider doing something similar, um, creating um, what this you know award might look like, I believe might need to take place in a subcommittee or which I don't wanna go through. Um, so I would love for it to be maybe an agenda item um, in April, what oh, that has to go on the log. Gosh darn it. Uh, <laughs> I would love to create an award uh, to, to highlight a member of this community, so. Chair, if I may, why don't I ask okay. folks who work at the youth staff, the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment yes. Commission, um, as well as I know the Disabilities Advisory Commission recently gave out awards, I will ask them their process. I will collaborate with the clerk's office on what that process might be, and we will come back and report to you on what that could be. Fantastic, let's, let's do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, I'm not seeing uh, any additional hands. Um, so that concludes today's agenda. Thank you everyone for your participation. The meeting is adjourned. Take the gravel. <laughs> <laughs>